You are listening to the Progress Your Health Podcast, Episode 18. Welcome to the Progress Your Health Podcast with your hosts, Dr. Robert Mackey and Dr. Valerie Davidson, a husband and wife team who specialize in bioidentical hormone replacement therapy and functional medicine. They're here to help you lose weight, balance hormones, and age gracefully. It's their mission to motivate, educate, and empower you to take your health to the next level. And now your hosts, hormone experts, Dr. Mackey and Dr. Davidson. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Progression Health Podcast. I'm Dr. Mackey. And I'm Dr. Davidson. Today on this episode, we're going to talk about thyroid testing, specifically TSH testing. We'll get into that a little bit here in a minute. But first, before we uh, kind of dive right in, what did you think of the snow last week? Oh, yeah. No, it, it, it snowed here in Bellingham, believe it or not. And granted, it is a little early in the season for snow to be happening here in Washington State or on Western Washington, but it snowed a lot. Well, or at least I thought it was a lot. For a Western Washington level, it snowed a lot, considering it probably snows maybe, what, twice a year. You know, Minnesota level, it certainly wasn't a lot. But uh, yeah, I mean, there was probably at least a good, uh, you know, two to four inches in some places. I'm sure if you went up towards the mountains, there was probably a ton of snow up that way, up towards Mount Baker and stuff. But a little cold, right? You know, mm-hmm. uh, high 20s, low 30s. It was, uh, you know, maybe low 30s. It was a little chilly. Uh, although we took a drive up uh, Chuckanut Drive, which is this kind of scenic right on the Puget Sound, Bellingham Bay or Chuckanut Bay. I'm not really sure which one it is. This little scenic drive you can take and the trees are all covered in snow. It looked really, it looked really neat. It was really pretty until you tried to like skid around. As you said, it. well, we have to know what it feels like to skid. So when we really truly do skid, know what to do. I think you're just trying to have fun. Well, of course. Yeah, <laughs> that's just a way to justify it. So you think there's a good reason for it. But, you know, the cars nowadays, you know, they're all like front wheel drive and whatever. They don't spin out like they used to. Uh, you know, we used to have a lot goodness. of goodness. We used to have a lot of fun when there's lots of snow and cars were all real, real drive. They'd, they'd spin around really easy. So nonetheless, the, the snow, you know, I don't really like winter all that much. That's probably why we've been in the Southwest for so long, but the snow was nice. The temperature is a little bit cold, but that's about as cold as it's going to get. Other than that, it was kind of nice to see the snow. It was, uh, when's the last time we saw snow? I don't know. I really don't. I think we went to Salt Lake City a few years ago and it snowed and I freaked out. <laughs> Yeah, we were driving into Salt Lake City and you're like having practically having a panic attack and there's like the snowflakes were like super big and you were like, you were like panicking. Let's turn around and go home. Yeah, yeah. It's like from Las Vegas to Salt Lake City, it's probably like a six hour drive. It's like 390 miles and we're just getting into like Provo or something and it starts snowing and you wanted to turn around and go home. Yeah, that wasn't going to happen. I'm used to that kind of thing. Even though I haven't driven in snow in a long time, it really didn't bother me much. But I can I understand, you know, you, you haven't done that. It's a little bit you know, a little bit nerve wracking. Other than that, I think what what maybe uh, Big Bear in California is probably the only other time we've seen snow. So in the last, you know, five to ten years we've seen only seen snow in just a couple of times. So Yeah, so it was fun. Yeah, it, yeah, it was yeah. fun. Oh, anyways, all right. So this episode we're gonna talk about something that we both hear literally all the time. And we think that this is important to bring up because there's some fundamental flaws or differences of approach um, based on how we do it versus how, quote unquote, conventionally the thyroid testing, thyroid treatment is approached. 
you know, we're going to kind of answer the question or at least discuss why most doctors, all they ever test is a TSH level. And I think that's how a lot of people get missed with their thyroid is that's all they're testing is a TSH, which is a thyroid stimulating hormone. And, you know, we're always kind of thinking about what podcasts we're going to do. What do people want to hear? What do they want to listen to? And, you know, and all this really comes from a lot of our experience or what we hear over and over. And what I've heard over and over in the last 13 years is, you know, I feel like I have a thyroid problem, but my doctor will only test my TSH and he, she says it's normal. Yeah, right. You know, women have this kind of intuition, right? They feel like there's something wrong or maybe they just, they don't feel very good. So they want there to be something wrong, sort of. So that at least there's a reason as to why they feel as bad as they do. But conventionally, the you know, we'll get into the reference range. Well, I guess we can just say, so for TSH testing, thyroid-stimulating hormone, that is the typical screening test for all, any of you out there listening that either have a thyroid problem or have been down this road before. You're probably all too familiar with that. That is a brain hormone that comes from your pituitary gland, which is in a kind of a, a gland off the kind of extends off your brain. And that hormone goes into your bloodstream and then stimulates your thyroid gland to release thyroid hormone, which is called T4. That one, for whatever reason, you know, and I'm not even exactly sure why, but that one has become the, really the only screening test for thyroid function. That's the only test that doctors will do. And then they, if it's within the range, the range is 0.45. So 0.45 to 4.5. Some labs are a little bit different. They, those numbers might, might not be exactly that for every lab across the country, but usually 0.45 to 4.5. If your number is in that range, then they say your thyroid's normal and, and you're fine. You don't need any help. And the way that works, because like you said, it's not really a hormone. The TSH is a stimulating hormone. Like you said, it stimulates the thyroid to make hormone, but it works in a negative feedback loop. So this is where it kind of gets a little confusing. Like you said, anybody that, you know, that already has a thyroid issue probably knows this all too well, that when the TSH is low, that technically means that the thyroid function or level is high. And if the TSH level is high, that means that the thyroid function level is low. So it's kind of like when I say a negative feedback loop, like if you were to ask your child, like you ask your daughter, Hey, go pick up your shoes and put them away. If they didn't pick up their shoes and put them away, then you would just raise your voice until they heard you. So it's the same thing with the TSH coming from the brain is if that thyroid is working at a low level, the TSH will say, Oh, well, you're not listening to me. So I'm just going to raise my voice. So you'll see that TSH TSH go up and up and up and up as the thyroid level goes down and down and down. But like Dr. Mackey said, is that TSH reference range of 0.45 to 4.5 is huge. You know, it's a ridiculously vast reference range that pretty much everybody falls into that range unless you seriously have thyroid disease. Yeah, right. And for some reason, I'm not really sure why, I guess just because in medicine, it needs to be black and white, either you have it or you don't. So if you're in that reference range, and I'm not even really sure where that reference range even comes from. I do know that the American Academy of Clinical Endocrinology, though, they do recommend that the TSH reference range should be reduced down to 2.5 as opposed to 4.5. Now, that's a little bit more appropriate. You know, we've got to be careful when reference ranges are being lowered because usually that's kind of a manipulation ploy to increase the number of potential medication candidates. But I think specifically in terms of thyroid in general, thyroid dysfunction, thyroid disease, thyroid testing, that's actually a reference range that needs to be lowered. 
Yeah. So, you know, I know we're trying to explain exactly particularly what that TSH is, but that's where, you know, my patients, that's where it kind of came from is they'll say, you know, my doctor just checked the TSH and I'm, you know, so-called normal, but I don't feel normal. And like we had talked about earlier, we see mainly women, you know, pretty much probably 80%, 85% of my patients are all females between the ages of probably 28 to 68. But even age related, you know, age pushed aside is they'll say the same thing. They go into their doctor and they'll say, you know, I'm tired. Fatigue is probably the biggest thing. I'm tired. I don't sleep well. I'm gaining weight or I eat well and I try to exercise and I keep gaining weight or I can't lose weight. Constipation is, is a big one that they'll say. And a lot of those symptoms really are about the thyroid, but at the same time, they don't on the surface, they don't seem connected. Like how does constipation, hair loss, feeling tired and gaining weight, and also feeling a little chilly all the time, how do those things connect? Yeah, right, yeah, yeah. Now granted, some of those are kind of classic. There's some very, even conventionally, there's some very classic thyroid symptoms that show up or hypothyroid symptoms that show up, but the doctor will do run a TSH and it comes back normal. Then they kind of, unfortunately, they discount or they discredit or they blow off, literally, they blow off the complaints of the patient. Okay? Our philosophy has always been you treat the patient first, you treat the lab second. We see it constantly, our office, but I spent a lot of time in California and I dealt with Kaiser Permanent, uh, Kaiser people from Kaiser Permanente, and they're very kind of rigid like that. If your TSH is, is, is between that reference range, 0.45 and 4.5, they're not going to address or treat your symptoms in any way, shape, or form relating to thyroid. They might give you an antidepressant, they might give you birth control, they might give you something else, but they will not give you thyroid medication or even treat it, they don't really have many other options other than that if your thyroid's in that reference range. Yeah, just like you mentioned, antidepressants and birth control pills, those are two other big symptoms that actually are related to the thyroid is irregular periods. People will have, they'll either miss periods or when their thyroid's low, sometimes it'll be 45 days apart or they'll also be really heavy, heavy, heavy periods. So they want to put them on birth control pills because they're not really connecting that to the thyroid. And then you said about the antidepressants, it's really common for that thyroid when that thyroid's a little low for people's moods to be low. That's probably one of the biggest things you see is most people say, oh, it's the weight and the energy, but really it's the mood because the mood can be really, I don't even want to say like clinical depression because that's something totally different, but their mood is low. There's actually a lot of anxiety when somebody has that lower thyroid. So what do the doctors have it, you know, have at hand in their wheelhouse or in their toolbox is, well, we'll put you on some antidepressants and some birth control pills. Yeah, right. Yeah. And, you know, I don't think that's really doing anything in the best interest of the patient. That's the way that it's dealt with and approached. And that's why we're talking about this. For one, we see much better clinical results the way that we do it. We hear that this is a common issue. They Even if they are going to endocrinology or an endocrinologist or an internist or whatever, it's like the same, they get the same response no matter where they go. You know, I'm sure that it's uh, somewhat frustrating because they still have this, like you said, this long list of potential symptoms and they're not really being listened to or they're not being validated that these symptoms are actually there. The doctor basically says, if the test is normal, then you must be fine. You and I really don't agree with that. We usually, we just kind of flip that around because lo and behold, if you do happen to address the thyroid, 
diet, lifestyle, supplementation, medication, whatever combination is necessary, guess what? Their numbers improve and their clinical presentation improves. We'll talk about that on some of the, in the rest of our series, we'll talk about some of those things later on. We don't have time to get to all of that right now. So I know we are talking about this as we were planning this episode. We had a little bit of a difference of opinion. Why do you think that the TSH is like the holy grail test? Why is there so much stock put into that one test? You know, I'm not exactly certain because the actual thyroid, like you said, makes that T4 and that converts to T3, which we're going to get into about thyroid function tests and what the thyroid is actually doing. The TSH is, it kind of reminds me a little bit like the foreman. It's supposed to be looking out about what everybody's doing and how are they doing their work and are they being productive? But there's a lot of times there's a disconnect between that. So I'm not, like you said, I think sometimes people try to make medicine black and white and medicine isn't black and white, health isn't black and white, our human bodies are not that way, that things are always changing. And also, as we all know, with technology and health and medicine, that's always changing too. You know, they've been relying on the TSH as a way of predicting thyroid disease or thyroid dysfunction or medications. They've been using the TSH forever. Probably 40, 50 years, probably. It hasn't it really evolved very much. Mm-mm. Except in our world, and doctors like you and I, we look at that much differently. And I think that's why patients are happy once they finally talk to us, right? Because they have suspected something for a very long time. They're not being validated. Their concerns are not really being met. And it just adds to their frustration. And it adds to them not feeling any better, right? They're just kind of brushed off. So that's why when they, they're very much open and looking for kind of a different approach. I'm not really sure why that approach really hasn't evolved. But like you said, it's Maybe it's insurance. Maybe it is just a very rigid point of view that if it's just that number's normal, then it must be okay and it shouldn't be messed with. Because I do think when it comes to thyroid, there's a little bit of fear about thyroid medication in general, right? There's this kind of, ooh, be careful with thyroid medication. It can be a little dangerous. And I don't really think that's the case. It needs to be managed. It needs to be monitored properly. That's why we do testing. But the patient will always really tell you good or bad, kind of where they are. And like you said, you know, yeah, medication is important to address, but also lifestyle, supplementation. So, you know, that takes time to work on that when you're with a patient. And, you know, maybe a lot of times with your endocrinologist, they don't have that kind of time. Or as in, you know, medicine is always so compartmentalized that it's, oh, I'm dealing with your thyroid TSH. If you need some lifestyle or dietary advice, well, then we'll send you to a nutritionist. Or if you need something going on with, you know, your periods, we'll send you to the gynecologist or the gastroenterologist if you've got something going on with your digestive system. And like I was saying earlier, you know, we're not, you know, just we're the sum of our parts not just compartmentalizing each process. Yeah, right. Yeah, it would be very unusual for a gynecologist to give a patient thyroid to fix her menstrual cycle, right? That would never happen. It would never happen unless they were an alternatively or a functionally medicine-minded practitioner then, of course. But if they're working in a hospital or they're a typical OBGYN, they would never do that because it's like breaking some kind of rule or something. And I don't really think that, you know, it shouldn't really look be looked at that way. But there are some kind of unspoken rigid rules in medicine. That's why we're talking about this because, again, we see this situation, particularly with the thyroid, probably more than anything else, we see it with this issue probably bar none. Uh, You and I never really, I know that when we were in school, we never really set out to become thyroid experts. We never set out to become thyroid specialists, but because of situations like this, it kind of forced us to have to deal with people's thyroids all the time because it was just this 
constant stream of people asking the same or either asking the same questions or having the same issues and then figuring out a way to be able to help them. And then also I think, which we're going to talk about medicine too, is, you know, the type of medications is finding out that everybody, even though we're all human, we're all still so individualized that what works for one person is going to be totally different than working for somebody else. So when we're tailoring this protocol or treatment protocol for them, everybody has something different. Sure, there might be kind of a premise of some things are the same, but doses are different. It's amazing how many people are really sensitive that I have to use very minute amounts of things with them. And then some people aren't sensitive at all, and you have to pretty much hit them with a sledgehammer to get any effect. So it is, I think over time, we've just kind of found so many different ways because with thyroid, when we talk about later about medication, there's just like one medication or, you know, there's pretty much one medication out there where when we deal with it, oh my gosh, there's so many different ways that I could go on and on and on with really well on maybe another podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that's part of the reason why the TSH is just done, right? Because really when you go to your internist, your primary care, or you're referred to an endocrinologist, they're all of them are basically prescribing three medications. They're prescribing Synthroid, Levoxyl, or Levothyroxine. So it simplifies the complexity of the thyroid. I mean, wouldn't you agree? Thyroid Thyroid in general is a complex gland, right? It's a complex hormone. It has a huge impact on how you look and feel on a daily basis. It has a major impact on our bodies, but yet it has been reduced down to basically one test and one type of medication. Because those medications I just mentioned are all basically the same thing. They provide the body with just T4. T4 is an abbreviation for thyroxine. So, I mean, I find it hard to believe, like you said, there's this individual side to everyone that everyone that has a thyroid issue gets the exact same medication. That doesn't even seem right to me. No, absolutely not. And it is funny that that, you know, maybe like you said, if something's broken, they want to fix it. And it's not necessarily that we're broken. I deal with a lot of people that they just don't feel good. They have great lives. They've got great families. You know, they've got, maybe they're probably overworked and overstressed, but they have these symptoms. And the goal is, you know, we're supposed to feel good in life. We're not supposed to be chronically tired all the time or chronically irritated or feeling like we're sleepy all the time. And then the only time we get to enjoy our life is when we go on a vacation once or twice a year. We want to have energy throughout the day, throughout the week. Sure, we all have days where we're not great or we woke up on the wrong side of the bed, but we want that to be more of the minority and the majority is, you know what, I feel good. Yeah, right. You feel healthy. You feel vital. You feel strong. You feel like you have energy. You just feel good more so than you don't. And I think that part of that, unfortunately, is just American society, right? Our society is go, 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 push, 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 stress, stress, stress. And it takes a toll in our bodies over a course of a lifetime. We get to our 30s, 40s, 50s, and it seems like that's when all the problems start happening. And honestly, I think it happens partially because medicine has been... You know, yeah, you go see an endocrinologist if you got diabetes or you got some kind of major hormonal problem, but everything that we're talking about are not actual diseases. They're symptoms that correlate with hormones, hormone imbalance, whatever can be kind of traced back. We understand some of the physiology better than we did 20 or 30 years ago, but medicine hasn't evolved enough to catch up with that. Okay, the science has, the research has, but medicine, the treatment has not caught up with the complexities of the 21st century. Absolutely. Like I was saying earlier, and we've talked about before, I mean, look at how technology is just leaps and bounds. I mean, you know, we have little computers at our hand. I can 
FaceTime with people. It reminds me of things you used to see on Star Trek, you know, back when I was a kid. It's different. Medicine needs to be that way too. But not that we want to get into the, all the politics or the nuances of, you know, of medicine. But I do think in terms of we can help people feel better. And that's really kind of the ultimate goal is that we feel good. And that TSH, you know, the thyroid, I think is a huge part when it comes to feeling good, having a good metabolism, having that energy, having that drive, having that clarity. I think the thyroid is a big part of it. And it doesn't just really have to come down to just medication. And the TSH is important. I test the TSH all the time. Some people even tell me, well, if you don't really think of the TSH as being so important. Why do you test it? I want to make sure that people are in a certain range, that it's not, you know, too high or too low. We just have different reference ranges and we use it as one tool, not the ultimate tool. It's one part of the tool when you're looking at the bigger picture. Yeah, no, we're going to get into that on the next episode. We're going to talk about what we feel is a a thyroid function panel, and we'll go into the, our rationale for that. We're going to talk a little bit more about the reference ranges and what the real reference or what the conventional reference ranges are and what we want those reference ranges to be. And like you said, monitoring the TSH is necessary. We still monitor people's TSH, but we usually compare that with some other things. And we're looking for the relationship more so than just what the number is. So, you know, we'll get into that on the next episode and explain that a little bit more in a little bit more detail. This one was just to kind of say, you know what, if you've had your thyroid tested, your doctor has tested your thyroid and says everything's fine, but doesn't explain anything more than that, you can assume that all they've tested is your TSH level. And just as a general rule of thumb, whenever that TSH is above 2.0, okay, we said that the reference range is 0.45 to 4.5, once it gets above 2.0 and symptoms are present, that's when we start paying attention that there might possibly be some level of an underfunctioning thyroid. Okay, maybe not clinically or exactly diagnosable hypothyroid. We'll get into that on other episodes later. But when it starts creeping up like that, 2.0, 2.5, 3.0, there's definitely something going on because it shouldn't be that high. We'll talk more about that on the next episode when we kind of add in our other tests. So. Hopefully this sheds some light on this issue that I don't know exactly how many times this is happening across the country, but I would imagine this is a, you know, this is a really big deal that is happening probably to millions and millions of people across the country. Because all the things we're talking about symptom wise, everyone's having them within a certain age range from their late twenties to their early sixties and beyond. They're having all these things that you already mentioned and some of the conventional treatments, there's better ways to approach some of those problems that work with someone's body as opposed to just putting a medication bandaid on it that may not actually solve anything. It might actually just create a whole new series of problems. Yeah, so if you have some questions about your thyroid or you've always wondered about your thyroid, I'm sure your doctor has tested a TSH. You know, a lot of people get copies, you know, have their labs and they don't even look at them too much because everything says is in normal range and not just, and this doesn't just speak just for the TSH, it speaks for a lot of lab testing is the reference ranges are huge. So any of you that might have some labs hanging around, pull it out and look at it and check out your TSH, see where it is on that big, huge, ridiculous, vast reference range of 0.45 to four and a half. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So on the next episode, like I said, we're going to go into what we feel is a kind of simple down and dirty thyroid function test. And there will probably be some discrepancies about that as well, or some opinions about that. But we'll, you know, we'll kind of give our rationale as to what we like to see. 
And then from there, we're going to talk about Hashimoto's. That's a whole nother thyroid discussion. You can't talk about thyroid without talking about Hashimoto's, what that actually means. And we're probably going to get into uh, you know, medication and some other lab testing information. So anything else to add on this one? I think we've kind of beat the TSH horse to death. <laughs> okay. No, yeah, the TSH horse has been beat. <laughs> so if you'd like more information, you can visit our website, ProgressionHealth.com. If you have any questions, we do have an email set up specifically for the podcast. You can send us emails at help at ProgressionHealth.com. We can't promise that we are going to respond to every email, but the point of that is to give you an outlet so you can ask questions. And some of those questions we will be answering on the podcast. Either officially, we'll give you, we'll mention your name and we'll tell you, you know, of course, first name only, nothing identifying, or maybe initials or something. And, you know, we'll answer your question directly, or the question might be actually turned into an overall podcast episode, depending on what the question is. The idea that way is everyone benefits from the answer, as opposed to it just being a a one-on-one interaction. Or if any of you have your own TSH stories of being to your doctor, you know, send them in. We'd love to read them. Yeah, for sure. So until next time, I'm Dr. Mackey. I'm Dr. Davidson. Thanks for listening to the Progress Health Podcast. Take care. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Progress Your Health podcast. If you like what you've heard on this podcast, please give us a positive review on iTunes. This allows us to spread our message, grow our audience, and help more people around the world. For more information, visit our website at progressyourhealth.com.